0: Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Monday, February 24th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Microsoft details the Xbox Series X. The coronavirus is causing problems for PAX, and EA canceled another Star Wars game. Microsoft details technical specs for the Xbox Series X. Microsoft posted a blog this morning attributed to Executive Vice President of Gaming Phil Spencer that is all about the technical specs of the upcoming Xbox Series X. There's a lot of flowery language in the blog about the power of creativity and how graphical power and processing speed will converge to create games that will look incredible and feel alive, but there are also some concrete details to take away from the post. The system will have 12 teraflops. Here's the quote from the blog. Xbox Series X is our most powerful console ever, powered by our custom-designed processor leveraging AMD's latest Zen 2 and RDNA 2 architectures, delivering four times the processing power of an Xbox One and enabling developers to leverage 12 TFLOPs of GPU graphics processing unit performance, twice that of an Xbox One X, and more than eight times of the original Xbox One. It will also take advantage of Variable Rate Shading, or VRS for short. Microsoft has patented its own form of VRS, and the blog reads, Rather than spending GPU cycles uniformly to every single pixel on the screen, they can prioritize individual effects on specific game characters or important environmental objects. The technique results in more stable frame rates and higher resolution with no impact on the final image quality. The system will also have hardware-accelerated DirectX ray tracing, which is basically a fancy way of saying the lighting in games on Series X is going to look very realistic and very good. It's a technology that is already present in many PC games, but this will be the first time the tech is available on a console. Unless, of course, PlayStation 5 includes it as well and beats Series X to the market. The system will also have SSD storage for faster loading, which we know the PlayStation 5 will also have. The blog also says the quick resume option, which lets you pick up a game right where you left off, even if you've turned off the system, will be improved for Series X. This feature currently exists on Xbox One, but I I personally find it to be a very inconsistent feature. The big update here is on Series X, you will apparently be able to quick resume multiple games at a time. The wireless connection with the controller is being improved, as well as the HDMI connection between the TV and the console. Here's a quote. We've partnered with the HDMI forum and TV manufacturers to enable the best gaming experience through features such as Auto Low Latency Mode, ALLM, and Variable Refresh Rate, VRR. ALLM allows Xbox One and Xbox Series X to automatically set the connected display to its lowest latency mode. VRR synchronizes the display's refresh rate to the game's frame rate, maintaining smooth visuals without tearing, ensuring minimal lag and the most responsive gaming experience. The blog also says the system will support 120 FPS, which is something that Microsoft has said should be possible in the past, but it's nice to get a confirmation. The Series X will be fully compatible with Xbox One games, and Xbox 360 and original Xbox games that are currently backwards compatible on Xbox One will be playable on Series X. The games will benefit from Series X enhancements, including steadier frame rate. It's worth noting that they didn't say faster, they said steadier. There will also be faster load times and improved resolutions for those uh, previous generation games. The term smart delivery is also detailed on the blog, and while it's not a technical enhancement, it is good. Basically, it means if there is a game that is on Xbox One and Xbox Series X, like Halo Infinite, which the blog uses as an example, you won't have to buy it twice to play it on two different systems. You buy the game once, and the system you're playing on will dictate which version gets booted up. I really like this confirmation, as it's it's just a nice, consumer-friendly promise that you won't be buying games multiple times if you're jumping between consoles. It's unclear how this will work for non-Microsoft games, though. It might not work that way for third-party publishers and developers. We'll have to wait and see, but we do know that at least CD Projekt Red, the studio behind The Witcher series and the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077, is on board. Shortly after Microsoft published the blog, CD Projekt Red tweeted from the official at Cyberpunk game Twitter account saying, gamers should never be forced to purchase the same game twice or pay for upgrades. Owners of hashtag Cyberpunk 2077 for Xbox One will receive the Xbox Series X upgrade for free when it is available. So that's really awesome news. Along with all these details on this blog, last week Francesco De Mayo at WCCFTech.com also caught that the Series X will have dedicated audio hardware acceleration according to a description on an upcoming GDC panel with audio designers from Gears 5 and Borderlands 3. The description for the panel reads, attendees will dive deep into the audio design pipeline, project acoustics, and the relationship to dedicated hardware acceleration on newer generation Xbox consoles. So that's another Series X hardware detail that we can add to this, you know, this whole pile that we've created for this segment. These are all great and interesting details, but the big questions are still up in the air, mainly how much will the Series X cost and when will it release? It seems like Microsoft and Sony are waiting for the other to start talking about those details so they can effectively counter, but I'm guessing we won't learn more about either until E3 at the earliest. And then with Sony skipping E3, it's entirely possible that we won't learn any of those details until we're closer to an assumed sort of November window launch. Regardless of price and release date questions, however, I am glad to get all these details in this form. My eyes always kind of glaze over when Microsoft spends precious E3 press conference time with a slick trailer where the camera pans around well-lit hardware and they talk about teraflops. In those situations, like at E3, I just want to see gameplay and video games. So I like that Microsoft decided to put all these kinds of you know numerical details on a blog. time minimum ten dollars per order excludes restaurants additional terms and fees apply the coronavirus is causing problems for packs fear related to the spread of the coronavirus has caused prominent publishers like sony and square to back out of PAX at great cost i spoke with imran khan who i worked with at game informer where he was the senior news editor to get some more insight on what is happening Imran Khan, thank you so much for calling into the Gaming Riot Home Show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So you're a smart guy, so I wanted to talk to you quickly about all the stuff that's happening around the coronavirus and how it's affecting PAX and the decisions Sony has made as a result. So if you could just talk me through what is happening in that story, I would really appreciate it.
1: So about... 10 days ago, February 13th, Sony announced they had PAX plans. They would be at PAX East, which is in Boston this year, and a little earlier this year than usual. Uh, So they announced they were going to have the first public display of Last of Us 2 and some other games, like Final Fantasy VII Remake, some highly anticipated games that some the public has gotten their hands on, some they haven't. So it was a big deal for them to be there this year. A week later, less than a week later, February 19th, they actually pulled out. They announced that they're no longer going to attend PAX, and it would be like a, they're doing it for the sake of their workforce, is basically what they said. That they had concerns about coronavirus and they didn't intend to endanger their employees by putting them in Boston. The coronavirus, I don't know how much you know about it already, but it's basically a kind of flu like thing that originated in Wuhan City in China. At the moment, China estimates there's about 79,000 people infected and Overall, that's a lot less than the billion people who are infected by the flu, but it has a much higher mortality rate. So 2% of people who had the coronavirus die. There's been 35 actual reported cases in the U.S., not including the 17 people who were on the recent cruise. But those 35 cases, one of them was included a student in Boston, which is probably why Sony is getting so worried about this sort of thing. But so when they pulled out of PAX, it caused a ripple effect of a bunch of different things of – they're losing a ton of money by doing this, by pulling out of PAX. They've already gotten everything set up. They've rented that floor space. So they're basically taking a wash on somewhere around, estimated around a million dollars by not attending and in ter- in knocking that back in terms of marketing or anything like that. So by pulling out, not only is PAX in some not necessarily danger, but uh, they're having a tough time compensating people who came specifically for this because Sony announced it already. They said they were going to be there with The Last of Us 2. Uh, but also other companies are also thinking they should pull out as well. The Final Fantasy XIV team was supposed to be at PAX. They're no longer going to be there. The game itself will still be there, but the team is no longer holding a panel. So basically anyone doing international travel is going, okay, we don't need to do this right now, which is causing some issues with not only Reed, public, or Reed the owner of PAX, but the boston government as well the other day mayor marty walsh who is the yeah the mayor of boston said a statement to sony and then held a press conference explaining that statement just asking them to reconsider like bringing places into boston is he said a number of things in that statement but he wanted to emphasize that he wanted facts over feelings which is the coronavirus to him is not all that dangerous there's no real risk of coming to Boston and getting the coronavirus, and he also insisted that it reinforces harmful stereotypes about Chinese, which is a kind of a repeating thing happening with the coronavirus right now, that people are being somewhat racist about Chinese people, people are refusing to give Chinese people in distress, say, CPR, because they're worried about coronavirus, and he thinks, Malt Walsh thinks that Sony making a big public statement about not attending Boston, a Boston convention, because of coronavirus is... Doing more harm than good. That said, other like other companies are pulling out, and also the companies pulling out are pulling out because they're from are not because, but the companies that are pulling out are pulling out from Asia. So they are traveling through more international airports to get to Boston, which does raise more of a concern for them. I suspect that Sony itself also just has a blanket travel ban because, while well, I mentioned that one of the cases in the United States was in Boston. Ten of the cases were in California. Sony also pulled out of GDC, as did Facebook and Oculus. Sony is very local to San Francisco. They are not that far away from here. They are. They could just make the drive technically, but I imagine at this point it's just Sony itself saying, "No, we don't. We're not going anywhere. If we're not going to Boston, we're not going anywhere right now." As long as this is a concern, because they do do a lot of business in China and Taiwan, and this is them. Protecting their employees and also the PR nightmare of being responsible for spreading a disease is, at the moment, just currently contained within China. Badly contained, but
0: contained nonetheless. Yeah, and um, Square is also backing out. Right, you said you mentioned Final Fantasy fourteen, but isn't the Final Fantasy seven demo that's also being removed from packs as well, isn't it? Yes,
1: that was at Sony's booth originally. Gotcha. so with it not being with Sony not being there, that means they don't have a booth space for it. I imagine that – because Sony has the marketing deal for that game, and it's exclusive for – or temporary exclusive right now. So I imagine Sony was handling all the things necessary to bring that game to PAX West. So I guess it's just not anymore, and I can't really blame them. if It's a big burden to take monetarily. If Sony isn't coming, Square Enix is probably not financially prepared to take on that burden right now. Mm
0: i mean i i definitely understand the sort of hesitancy to you know go to a place with a big crowd when there is fear about a sickness but like it's also affecting um production and things too right i haven't like games been delayed as a result of this do you understand what's happening there
1: so there's been a couple of cases and they're a little different each way so the outer worlds is supposed to come out on switch uh, i think this next month but the uh Company porting it, Virtuos, is they're an international company, but the ones the team porting it was in China, and they haven't been able to get into their offices for the last month. So the game was just delayed. They couldn't do anything about it. Take Two has said to make up for it, they will start like producing that game physically, but that's it's still going to be a delay. They don't actually know the end result of at this point. That's going to start affecting further Chinese stuff too. One of the reasons I imagine Sony is not coming to GDC is they have a. Project called the China Hero Project, which is taking Chinese developers and like making or bringing their games up to publish elsewhere in the world. I imagine they were pl- planning to bring that to GDC, and they just can't anymore because GDC have, themselves has said no one from China is coming to or has been allowed to come to uh, that conference. So that stymies them there too. we lo- a more long-term thing we're looking at is. What if Foxconn gets shut down? And if that happens, then everything gets delayed. Like game production, console production of not just current consoles, but even further next-gen consoles. One of the reasons they might not be showing off their next-gen console so far, granted this is just speculation, is they don't know for sure they will be able to start manufacturing in the summer, which is usually when they would do that for a holiday launch. So the coronavirus can have an extensive rippling effect even if it doesn't actually leave the shores of, sh- our shores of China. Can you imagine just how bad, how crippling it would be if iPhone production suddenly went down? It's, that would not only affect how many people Apple can employ at a given time, but how many like, iPhones they can sell. And that's kind of their core business at this point.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for your time, Imran. Thanks for educating me on the coronavirus and how it's affecting the video game industry. Thank you. Today, you can find Imran Khan freelancing for various sites like IGN, and he is also a frequent co-host at Kind of Funny Games. EA reportedly cancelled a Star Wars Battlefront spin-off. EA has now become notorious for quietly cancelling unannounced Star Wars games and even a few announced ones, and Kotaku's Jason Schreier is reporting on another one that didn't make it to release. Schreier writes for Kotaku, Last spring, Electronic Arts canceled a planned spin-off of its popular Star Wars Battlefront series, the third Star Wars game that the publisher has axed since 2017. The latest game, codenamed Viking, was originally envisioned for release in fall 2020 alongside the next generation of consoles. But once it became clear to EA's executives that the timeline was unrealistic, Vikings was no more. The game was apparently going to be a spin off of DICE's Star Wars Battlefront series and was going to include some open world elements. And development was going to be assisted by Criterion Games, a studio known predominantly for racing games. But the studio did do some additional work on the DICE's two Battlefront games. According to Schreier's report, complications related to the two geographically disparate studios, as well as an unrealistic timeline for release, led to the game's cancellation. That's it for today's Gaming Ride Home podcast. I, I'm still streaming my way through Metroid Prime. If you want to check in on that, my Twitch channel is Kyle Impersonator. I played that game when it originally released, but this is the first time I'm actually seeing it to the end. This is the first time I'm seeing credits. That game holds up surprisingly well. I really have found very little reason to be annoyed or frustrated by it, which is awesome. There's a rumor that has been circulating for a while that Nintendo has already completed a Switch port of the Metroid Prime Trilogy, and it will be released as a complete package at some point. If that is true, I imagine Nintendo will use that bundle to build excitement for Metroid Prime 4. I would love to see that release happen sometime soon, though. That's where I would like to play Metroid Prime 2. I'd like to play it on my Switch. Please let me know if you have corrections for me and what you think of the show, as always. My email address is kyle at ridehome.info. You can also find me on Twitter, at Kyle M. Hilliard. My DMs are open, so you can just send me a message there if you want. Thanks to Brian McCullough and James Welsh for everything related to this show. And thanks to Joe Moore, who made all the music for the Gaming Ride Home podcast. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers.